week's episode of Shitty Christians. I'm your end time host, Zachary Allard. And I am Nikolai Carpathia, the Antichrist. Dude, that guy is so hot. Thank you. He's so good looking. Thank you. I agree. I am quite good looking. <laughs> you do have kind of a Carpathia vibe. Do so, I? You're so sleek and blonde. I don't know if I get the Eastern European uh, slightly racist vibes that <laughs> Nikolai Carpathia is bringing to the table. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> uh... If you haven't intuited yet, we have a very special episode that we've we've been waiting to put this bullet in the chamber for a while, and it was just it was time. It was the right time. No, this is this is like those Adventures in Odyssey episodes where they tell you to get your parents so they can listen to it with you. <laughs> uh, get your parents and have them listen to this podcast with you. All of you, all of you with evangelical parents, get them, bring them in here. We want to talk to you. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. We're gonna drop some knowledge on your bitch asses. I'm excited for the whole family episode. <laughs> I think they Get should also popcorn. listen to our episode 69. Ayo. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we are going to be hopping into one of the most seminal works of Christian art in the last, yes. I don't know, millennium. The uh, only work of Christian art in the last millennium. Yeah, the only thing that matters. Fuck every cathedral. Oh, yeah. This right here, the 2000... Uh, I think I think it technically came out in theaters in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, masterpiece mm. of Tom Clancy style apocalypse fiction, Left Behind. Hell yeah! We're not doing the book this week. We are doing we are doing the Kirk Cameron film. Yeah, if we're gonna anytime we're jumping into a new level of like Christian bullshittery, we yes. have to see has Cameron come before us. We must That's follow right. the way of the Kirk. <laughs> it's in the tagline for this podcast. Uh, and so, in keeping with our mission of following Kirk Cameron wherever he goes and asking him snide questions, <laughs> uh, we decided to jump in with this. I have to say, I was slightly torn. There was a part of me sure. that wanted to go for the Cage remake. I mean, all, look, always. Yeah, because if there if there is if the, the non Christian version of Kirk Cameron is Nicholas Cage, it's definitely Nicholas Cage. It's oh, not even close. That's so troubling. I think they both have tax issues, so they. <laughs> Although the difference is that Nick Cage occasionally rips out a class. Yeah, the difference is an Academy Award. <laughs> That's that is that is very true. And uh, that in that Kirk Cameron has a fucking Oscar. He might, he, there might be an Emmy or two in his background. I don't prob- know. It wouldn't surprise me. Kirk Cameron's good. He's a good actor. He's an excellent actor. He's America's best actor. Yeah, th- that's without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was really excited to watch this movie, uh, and mm-hmm. as we watched it, I was like, wow, yeah. this is incredible. This yes. is going right to the top of the list. I'm really enjoying the shit out of this. I had a great time, uh, and we'll get to the reasons why, but you know what? It's a Kirk Cameron film. Have we not enjoy, <laughs> ever not enjoyed a Kirk Cameron film? I don't film? know that there's ever been a Kirk Cameron vehicle that did not inspire... All wonder, concerns about mental health. You know, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas, still one of the most demented pieces of cinema I've ever, ever seen. The only problem with Saving Christmas is there was not enough Cameron, right? Like, he was... I love Kirk. He did the worm. Zachary, he did the worm. I thought the director did the worm. Oh, fuck. What dancing did Kirk do? I can't remember. No, I think... think the director did the slide into the, the tree. The director did do the slide. And I, I think, think right. Cameron did I the work. I think work. you're right. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. He did Don't do fucking work. step to you're me, right. Allard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You want to do a Kirk Cameron <laughs> trivia off? We can fucking go. Wait, are, are we doing the work now in honor of Kirk Cameron? <laughs> we should be. If we recorded this entire, just an hour of the worm. <laughs> it would be a lot of me falling. I. Yeah. How do you get sweat on a microphone quite that much? Remains to be seen. I, I just I still wish he had been the main guy of Saving Christmas. I feel like the director just didn't bring the heat that Kirk would have. Of course not. How could he? Right. How could he? And it should have just been a sort of clumps style where Kirk plays both characters. Okay. We have a lot to get to <laughs> before we continue lusting after Kirk Cameron some more. Uh, so whenever we do one of these movies, I like yes. to do a little behind the scenes, a little dig in, a little mm-hmm. dive. and. and yes. It always bears fruit, but this is maybe the most fruitful that it's ever been. Yeah, uh, and because yeah, we're so not going to many... get to the movie this episode. Yeah, Strap in, motherfuckers! It's just Michael talking about IMDb trivia. Here we go. <laughs> uh, 
Because you could talk about like uh, Tim Jenkins or Timothy LaHaye and Paul mm, Jenkins, the writers yeah. of the Left Behind book series, which is insane, and we will cover it in a future episode because I was reading about it today and it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just what this podcast does for a while. Fuck off. This F- is what, fuck this off. Is what we this are. is what we're about. Uh, there is a scene in those books I was reading about mm-hmm. where Nikolai Carpathia, uh, the Antichrist, is inhabited by Satan <laughs> and bathes in pig's blood in the rebuilt Temple of Solomon. Dude, that's awesome. I know. This is what I'm saying. Like, that's legitimately cool. I, I want, I, I, I'm very upset that this movie series didn't continue because I want that scene in an evangelical movie. I, I talked about this a lot, but there, there's definitely some vibes that you should be getting already from this sort of material that I think might have, pri- this material might have primed evangelicals, shall yeah, we say. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to some of the, uh, shall we say more deep state connections yes uh some curiosities the things it gets 100 percent correct about the united nations and the international banking community <laughs> uh but the two visionaries that really brought this film adaptation i think deserve their own spotlight for this yes. episode and that's paul and peter lalonde uh, because they are kind of unique, even amongst the pantheon of like christian filmmakers doing vaguely reactionary films mm. uh most of these people that we've covered, like the Pure Flix guy, like Kirk Cameron himself, are yeah. in many ways the fail sons of Hollywood. They flamed out, whether they had a yeah, moderate yeah, yeah. amount of success like Kirk or very limited success like the Pure Flix guy. Right. Uh, they flamed out of the system and then created this like alternative right. evangelical structure. These guys were never in the system. These guys were very much the true believers. They're so lucky. <laughs> to, the point, to the point that they had their own public access television show on prophecy called this week in prophecy that they just did i love that you're like there is enough prophecy to go around that i can have a a weekly a a last week tonight with john oliver but for prophecy we might need to try to find some youtube i would love evidently i was reading about this in their gq profile which they have Wait, the, the brothers Lalonde <laughs> with their GQ profile, where they're talking about like they're just sitting behind a crappy news desk, uh, talking about prophecy and world events and how the Antichrist is coming. First of all, we're definitely finding YouTube rips of that. Secondly, were they hot? Did you look up the GQ profile? How hot were they? On a scale of zero to Kirk Hammond. I plead the fifth. All right. Um, okay. All right. So and then they got the rights to the Left Behind series for a song. Oh, Which hell is yeah, insane Kings. because yeah. if you read about the Left Behind series, right, it, was it, huge. it was immediately a hit and massive. Yeah, they sold sixty-five million books in the series. Oh, holy shit! That's uh, like Harry Potter multiple, shit. Multiple of the books went to the top of New York Times bestseller. Yeah. The first piece of Christian fiction to ever reach the top of the New York Times, like just regular top ten bestseller list. I mean, it was doing some shit. Yeah, uh, sold faster than uh, a Song of Ice and Fire, just for perspective right. on right. like how. So these guys were very uniquely poised to be like the only people that could have gotten in on the ground floor because this was already their beat. Right. This weird dispensationalist. <laughs> they were, they were like, prophecy guys. Yeah, they were prophecy Wait, they, wait. Holy shit, they prophesied the publication of this. Boom. Called it. That is canon. Uh, so they picked it up super early. Uh, and they had this vision that I think, you know, again, a lot of these guys are chasing that sort of Hollywood fame. We've seen mm. the way Hollywood has yes. actually sort of built a little side industry of like feel good evangelical movies. And this was specifically not their goal. Mm. They were on because as these yes. movies, the series was coming out, you know, Passion of the Christ comes out yes. uh, in the middle of the, sort mm. of what they're doing. A lot of people are like paying more attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were the guys saying Hollywood and the church are never going to get along. We can never go to them. They'll never trust us. They'll never let us be what we need to be. Uh, They're like, you can make a feel-good movie, but we specifically don't want to make feel-good movies. They said, we want our movies to scare you. Yes, these guys are awesome. It's kind of fascinating, right? Right. Because they're simultaneously doing this kind of outsider art thing while doing a genre that is 100% a pastiche of like mm-hmm. a ton of different, like there was so much Tom Clancy in the Left oh Behind my series. Gosh, yeah. There's of course, you know, uh, apocalypse disaster mm-hmm. fiction. There's a lot of thriller elements. There's some straight up horror elements in the book. So it's this pastiche of very yeah. established genres, but being filtered through the lens of guys that are deeply passionately and abidingly think that they're continuing their project of making documentaries about the end times which they have made a dozen of to date both preceding and after this series and had their own fictive apocalyptic series called apocalypse that they had made three (laughs) two movies in before they shot left behind and then another movie after left behind 
So they had their own knockoff going in production and out when they got this series. Uh, I, I'm excited to go through their entire filmography. Yeah, so we have six movies between their Left Behind pictures and their Apocalypse series before we even <laughs> touch the documentaries or the public access. We will be spending some time with the Brothers Lalonde. And the last thing I'll say, and what is one of those things, you know, you hear about these companies that like almost hit on the Netflix model. Yes. And like the ones that almost pulled it off but didn't quite. That's the Brothers Lalonde because they, yeah. for the third movie in the Left Behind series, they had a vision. Right. To show this movie in churches, which as we have seen is like now yes. staple. God's Not Dead, all of these other evangelical films, they have built out this huge distribution mm. network of getting churches to rent out theaters, yeah, of having churches of play for screenings, yeah. like uh, this sort of like ground game style using yeah. the church for this thing. These guys had a slightly different vision in which they were literally deputizing churches to become independent like theaters. And they wanted the churches to actually charge admission. For this, for these pictures, and they wanted to hit a point where they had a monthly release schedule of feature films, all from their Cloud Ten production studio that they could just be sending out to churches every month and let churches just once a month be a theater. That is, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a fascinating idea. Clearly, what ended up working right. is slightly different, but they really did have this vision. Yeah, they of smelled like, something coming. Yeah, uh, you know, they were they were prophetic guys. They're always looking to the future. Yeah. Um, so I found them very fascinating. One of the great quotes I found from a Variety article in 2014, after all these movies wow. have been shot, uh, Paul Lalon says, you know, these movies are really, it's, it's a historical account in the sense, because it is a true story. It just hasn't happened yet. Fuck, these guys like are kind of showmen. Yeah, there, there's something very fascinating about these dudes yeah. that then gets filtered into the movie. Uh, which I have to say, you know, uh, on the scale of Assassin's 33 AD right. in terms of enjoyable to Roe v. Wade in terms Oof. of so bad we couldn't even do our yeah. regular movie podcast about it. <laughs> this is much closer to a 33 AD. Oh, yeah. No, I was like full on like having a good time. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a real movie. There are like practical effects. Oh, dude, shit blows up. There's like fire. straight up. Yeah, they just actually blow up a car. I was like texting you. I was like, oh shit, a car just blew up. <laughs> like excited. I was like full on excited. Like, oh shit, they got me. I didn't expect that car to blow up. Oh, really? I knew the car was going to blow up. Shit, fuck you. I knew the car was going to blow up. I, hey, look, hey I, this is what I do. I turn off prophecy when I'm watching the movie. How I dare turn you? that off. How dare so you? I can you just sever your connection to God like that? He understands. Mm. Uh, I'm less certain. It's more of putting a pause. I'm less certain that God understands anything we're doing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just take the night off, prophet. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, some of the prophets did that. Yeah, they're just like, ah, fuck it. I'll go. I'll go hang out in a whale. Fuck this. It's look. Some there's some mo there's moments like Jesus. You know, like wreathe himself in human flesh yeah yeah jesus did some self-care yeah you know, he would go off to the mountains he would he would he had the john muir quote on his little notebook and he would go to the mountains and, you know just rest just rest oh man jesus i mean technically <laughs> jesus might have had the john muir quote it just hadn't we happened yet. need to write our self-care according to jesus self-help book and make millions that's such a good idea. I'm upset at <laughs> that goes for the other the other Christians that aren't buying our Q and U study Bible. Yes, exactly. Uh, God, those are two good ideas. That and plenty of fish. Okay, okay. Fishers of men. Fishers is of le men. Legitimately brilliant. Damn. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think it's probably do. it's probably time to get into uh, the movie itself, but. Uh, yeah, it's it, what a wild thing. Oh, the last thing I need to cover. This is yes. what I was trying to remember. Yes, yes. Uh, the authors of the Left Behind series, LaHaye in particular, were so pissed off at these renditions. Wait, what? That there was a protracted legal battle for the rights to the but movies. But they're good. <laughs> not according to not according to Timothy LaHaye. LaHaye, LaHaye found this to be a failure. I mean, these movies did not review well. Uh, sure. The first movie only made 4.2 million box office at on a $4 million budget, but it released a video before it did really well on DVD. Like, it was sure. a hit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there was some frustration over, because because the, like, book series was such an right. international bestseller, yeah, yeah, yeah. that it would essentially be like doing a straight-to-DVD version of the first Harry Potter movie that nobody really watched. I'm like, pretty sure they did, but let's continue. <laughs> Ayo. Okay. 
No, it's a good point, given how big the books are, that the movies could have been a lot slick, slicker. I, I don't think we're going to spend a ton of time on the theology, the absolute garbage theology in The this, excellent but theology. We should just say this is a dispensationalist movie, yes. pre-millennial rapture. Uh, without getting into all of it, the rapture is not a thing. It was no. made up in, like, the 1800s. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, it's based on one verse. Like, none of this has any grounding in scripture, which right. is going to stop these guys from doing none of, none of the things that but they're doing. But that makes it a good thriller. Yeah, yeah, because it's all made up. All right, let's get into the film proper. Uh, Zachary, why don't you take us in? Open it up for us. So the movie opens. We're in Israel. Hell yeah, we are, King. <laughs> Hell yeah, King. And we're with Buck fucking Williams. Buck Williams. He, the names, all of the names in this, so good. Every single name, perfect. We have Kirk Cameron. He is Buck Williams. He's a reporter in Israel, and he is talking with an Israeli farmer, and they have made the desert bloom, baby. That's right, baby. He is a scientist, Yes. and he has figured out a way to grow wheat in the desert to the point where uh, Kirk Cameron standing in what is clearly a soundstage in California being like, this looks like Iowa does not look like iowa kirk nor does it look like israel it's a very <laughs> funny one too of like you're saying it looks like a nut you're saying it is a place that's another place that it doesn't look like what anyway. it looks distinctly like is one of those like uh tactical paintball arenas where they like yes. train you to shoot arabs like it's definitely one of those it definitely looks like one of them <laughs> and anyway and then they are just attacked by like 70 planes oh Hundreds, planes, Hundreds of helicopters. Planes just peer out of nowhere. Uh, I will say these are not the practical effects you're looking for, but that's fine. And they start bombing the shit out of Israel. They're bombing the shit out of Israel. And Israel is like, we don't know what's happening. And they're like, what's going on? Who could this be? And the scientist turns to Buck Williams and he goes, it could be anyone. Nobody has more enemies than the nation of Israel. Which, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might think about that, but uh, um, they hide in the most insane bunker I've ever seen. Oh, they walk into like full. They just like, like they go from a farm to basically the hollow deck. Oh yeah, they walk out of a wheat field through a parochial Israeli town into like high tech. It looks honestly, it looks like the uh, the bunker from like A New Hope. Like, it's got that mm, yeah. style of, like, all of these screens and radars. And, like, they just saunter in it's, to this insane high-tech cool. bunker. It's very good and cool. And to wrap this scene up, the the planes that are trying to bomb Israel just immediately just all start blowing up. Yeah, out they of just, nowhere. Just blow up. And they make a point of saying the IDF has, has not shot a single missile yeah, because they, they're a peaceful people. And they didn't, they didn't, like, send their aircraft after them. They just... Blow up. They so you immediately why. have two mysteries going on. You have who is sending this massive airstrike against Israel. Israel and why are the planes just blowing up on their own? Incredible. The other thing I need to say about the opening, every time they cut to a new location, it has the full on 24 style like mm. Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> like where it's just like, <laughs> screaming in. It's very good. The Tom Clancy vibes are strong. Continue. I like Tom Clancy growing up. I, I read a fair amount of Tom Clancy novels. Sure. I, I was very cool. Because you were a patriot. Because I'm still a patriot. You're a good man. I would, st I would, I would do an episode of the pod on Tom Clancy. Anyway, uh, the movie kind of moves along, and then um, he's he's on a plane, he's heading home, and people start fucking disappearing. Yeah, there's a whole intro to yes. this pilot uh, who will become the the Excuse other me, Rayford Steele. Rayford Steele. Rayford Steele. So you see Rayford Steele walking away from his son's birthday party and being kind of a bitch to his wife. He's like, <laughs> why can't you stay for his party? He's like, this is my job. It's really important being a commercial airline pilot. Look, it's, it's the 30 Rock joke. Look, I have to press the button to, to go up. I have to press the button to land. <laughs> exactly. And he's just like being a huge asshole about yeah. like not just missing his son's birthday, but being a dick about it for yeah, no yeah, reason. Yeah. And uh, the fact that she's a Christian. And he's got course. a sassy teenage daughter who is easily 35. No, the daughter's older than the wife i couldn't tell who was who oh yeah no there's like there was like a weird joke between his younger son who's like yeah you should try like listening to your parents sometime and i was like why is he necking his mother this way thing. i was like this is it weird. was like That's what obviously is this, your mom what, what is this weird i thought they were doing some hardcore complementarianism but no <laughs> turns out they were just casting a 30 something to play a teenage girl Oh, man, it was it was great. So anyway, he's on the plane with Buck Williams. Buck Williams and Buck uh, Rayford Steele's emotional affair that he's having with a flight attendant named Hattie, who they both 
See, clearly say he's having an affair, but they yeah. also mention that like they haven't fucked. That's so strange. Yeah, that they're like we're having. They're deeply affair. involved to the point yeah. where she's making Doesn't a career he kiss change. Her? I think they do kiss. I think they kiss, but they don't fuck. Like okay. Thirty-something adults are like kissing, but not fucking. That are uh, having an affair. Zachary over here being like, "It kisses a contract." <laughs> if you say, and if, if you say we're having an affair, that's a, con- that's a other, contract. To the point where she takes another job that Buck gets her at the yeah, end, yeah, yeah. and and Rayford's like, "When, when were you going to tell me?" So yeah. there's all this drama. What the fuck, bro? I wanted to keep kissing you like a ten-year-old <laughs> yeah, on these keep- pilots. She's like, "I needed lights. more from you," and then I need more dick from you, Buck or Rayford. Yes. Okay. So, in a pretty, you know, it's pretty exciting. An old lady is like, fuck, where's my husband? Yes. I think he must be naked. And she, like, holds up his clothes. They do a good reveal with they that. Do because they just that. show that he's it's gone. It's good filmmaking. And it's, Buck's like, hey, are you okay? It's visual exposition. That's right. And then she, like, hands him a jacket. And he's like, why? And she's like, I think he might be naked. And then you pan down and see all of his clothing. And then for pretty much all of these people, one signifier of their Christianity. Like there's yes. a cross yes. or a Bible. It's or there, cool. There's something that says why this person is being taken. Uh, so yeah, people have disappeared. All the children have disappeared. Yes. All the children around the entire world, we will learn, have disappeared. Yes. They're running around the plane. Dozens of people and all the kids are gone. They're like, what has happened? Where could they have gone? Uh, Freaking there's a, out. There's a great sequence of a guy trying to get out of the emergency exit on the plane. Oh, and he's a drunk. They show him drinking whiskey. It's and so, good. yeah. Well, he can't be a Christian. Yeah, because he's a drunk. And in general, it was it, it was it was a good, it was an exciting sequence. So they land and the world has changed, Michael. That's right. Uh, it's chaos everywhere. You see a lot of people in sort of National Guard uniforms, like pushing people back. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out. There's like a parents praying next to their empty stroller. Yes. There's like a grandma like clutching, clutching the clothes of her departed. Yeah. I don't know where all these families of like split faith elderly it's, people are coming from, but features prominently. It's very, I mean, like I kind of get it, but they overly rely on it. So Buck Williams, who is, <laughs> let's just take a moment to lay this out. Buck Williams is simultaneously a on-the-scene, you know, foreign correspondent for GNN. Yes. Uh, the the news network, the global news network. I nice. wonder if that'll come up. Uh, so he's, like, in the field, but he also is the face of the organization, is, like, the head anchor of their nightly news, but he's also, like, running around town he's doing also reporting. He's also his own cameraman? Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, he. it's such a funny vision of, like, what if one man was an entire news station to where he is simultaneously, like... Well, okay, to be like, fair, ESPN does that with Stephen A., and you may not get that. I don't understand but your reference, our, and I refuse to acknowledge Our listeners it. will appreciate it. Will they? Yes. Will they? Okay, they won't. But I've met Chris, our listeners. Chris Tatum will appreciate that. I love you, Chris. <laughs> Chris, get fucked. Um, Whoa. <laughs> so... Buck Williams has got to figure out what's going on. That's right. So he calls one of his sources, a man by the name of Dirk Burton, because all the names <laughs> in this sorry. office. Dirk Burton. Dirk Burton. Dirk Burton. Dirk Burton. And Dirk Burton, he is your <laughs> he is your uh, quintessential guy who knows just a little too much. He's in too deep. Yes. And so they full on all the president's men, deep throat style. They're meeting in. A- Wait, would you say Buck Williams is meeting deep throat? This is getting very boring. No, I would say Buck Williams is deep throating Dirk Burton. <laughs> I told you it was a good movie. Yeah, it's a very I told good you film. that. Uh, so they're meeting up in a parking lot. Dirk has a secret file that he stole from Nikolai Carpathia's laptop. Yes. Nikolai Carpathia is just a politician in this yep. world at this point. He's just a hot blonde guy. He's just a he's just a hot dude out there for world peace, which in this movie is a bad thing. <laughs> he's just a hot guy. He's like, we should get rid of nuclear weapons. And, and that's people, a bad thing. We're supposed thing. to be like, wow, how dare he? What a dick. <laughs> uh, so Dirk Burton has some secrets, but he's not willing to share them yet. He's And he's doing the classic, like, slightly crazed Charlie on It's Always Sunny. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I just got to put the pieces together. You know, it's all happening. It's all happening. There was there were predictions, you know, just full on eating up the screen in the best way. Yeah. I love Dirk. It's very cool. Uh, and Buck's just like, what's going on, man? When was the last time you slept? Uh, and so then Dirk just is like, I got to figure it out. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Runs off into this, the world's emptiest warehouse. And <laughs> then our boy Buck hooks up with the pilot. He's like, I have to get to wherever. Yeah. So, so without getting too into the details, yes. uh, Dirk finds, uh, 
Rayford? Rayford Steele? Is that Wait, it? Wait, Buck finds Rayford. Buck, yeah, fuck. Buck finds Rayford Steele. Yes. He's like, I need, I need you to help me. I need you to get me. I need to figure out what's going on. You're the only one that can help me. Yes. Rayford Steele's like, I have to find my family. So Buck travels with him to <laughs> yeah. Rayford's family home it's, for I, ostensibly no reason? It's not really. the ex, There's an explanation given. I was not clear at the time. And then... <laughs> like, it's just is, like, they just decide to become roomies. Yeah. One of the first times where this movie really tips its hand yes. into, like, hardcore evangelical shit, there is an extended, and I'm talking, like, four or five minutes scene, where Rayford walks into his home, mm-hmm. realizes his wife and son are gone. This is awesome. Hears a message from his daughter mm-hmm. being like, hey, I'm sorry that I had to leave. So he knows his daughter is out there. Right. And then... Once he realizes that she's gone, immediately picks up a Bible, sits down, starts reading in Genesis for an yeah, extended no, period of starts, time. Starts at Genesis 1. Yeah. And immediately converts. Well, yeah. okay. There's a conversion scene later. But yeah. he is immediately like, I understand that this is the rapture. Yes. I understand that my wife was right mm-hmm. about everything when she was trying to get me to go to church. Right. And now I am ready to start the process right. of coming to Jesus. He immediately goes from guy who has an emotional affair with kissing. Yeah, yeah. Which, with kissing, there's, there's no name for there's that. There's tongue. There's tongue. So you know it's serious. Okay, so it's an emotional affair or a physical affair. Because if there's tongue, it's kind of both. Yeah, okay. All right, that's fair. He's having an affair of sorts. Sort of. He's just having the most PG affair of all time. Okay, I have a, I'm sorry. I know we have a lot to get through. <laughs> Zach really wants to understand what the levels of affair are. I have are. a question. Yes. He's not a Christian. No. The woman he is tongue kissing is not a Christian. Correct. Have two grown not Christians ever had an affair that involved tongue kissing for an extended period of time and not actual fucking i don't think so but i kind of hope that one one pair of people are just like i can't get past the like second base of it all <laughs> they're just like he caught the feel one time and they both feel kind of weird about it yeah I, I don't know if rayford's like i think he knows what he's doing is wrong right but there's got to be some part of him that's like until it's under the shirt it's not an affair i'm good like i'm good he's definitely trying to skirt the line it's it's very strange, but it's just immediately he begins yes. the path of repentance. Yes, no, he instantly is like he like this guy who doesn't believe in Jesus is having kind of an affair is like I guess I have there's only one there's only one thing there's that only means one my family can explanation the Bible uh, for this global crisis. Meanwhile, Buck Kirk Cameron is just staying on his couch. Yeah, and by just the way, the out. world's biggest mansion. In the oh, yeah, world's yeah, yeah. biggest mansion, he's just on a couch. You can tell this was shot in the 90s because a commercial airline pilot has a half a million dollar home easy. Yeah, for uh, that time. It's yeah. a huge place. Uh, but Buck, the guy who really needed to get somewhere, just hanging out. Just hanging out. Just, just hanging chilling. out. And just checking on his bud. <laughs> They've never met, but they apparently. Yeah, but they're bros. Uh, so it smash cuts to, at some point in all of this, yes. Nikolai Carpathia meeting. With two shadowy figures. Yeah, we should we should probably get into this. Yes. That's a good that's a good call. So Nicholas Car- Nikolai Carpathia is this young, beautiful, sexy, erotic, <laughs> blonde, hot. No, just uh, he is. I mean, that's how he's portrayed. It's this like beautiful Russian man who like has uh, these. He's Romanian. Oh, is he? He he's, is. He's this I beautiful this Ru- Russian man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Romania. He looks Russian. He's Russian coded. We'll yeah, say come that. On. He's like six of... three and blonde. Most Romanians are not six three and blonde. Uh, I will say this: one of the ways you can tell this movie is a little older is that it's an evangelical film where Russia is still bad. Solid, <laughs> very solid. And he is meeting with a couple shadowy guys, being like, "We will help you rise to the top." Yes, we're going to do this. We're going to get this proprietary technology. And help you bring peace or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it, The plan is a little vague, but it involves 10 tracts of land. And they say that number a lot. They say that it number a lot. The Eden Project, yes. wink, wink, which is this Israeli scientist's like, ability yep. to grow wheat in the desert. They get the Israeli scientist name Chaim Rosenvig. And I just got to say, they're doing tropes. Yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> Like all evangelical things involving Israel, it is simultaneously extremely pro-Israel and extremely anti-Semitic at the exact same time. It's impressive. It's a, it, I would say it's like an impressive needle thread, except it's every evangelical yeah. it's needle yeah. thread. They love Israel. They hate specific Jewish folks. Yeah, maybe not that specifically Jewish folks. It's bad news. Anyways, uh, 
you find out that these guys are part of the international banking community. One of them is like yes. an American, the richest man in the world, and the other one controls the London Stock Exchange. They've got a plot. Back to the action. So, Buck Williams is still hanging out with the pilot. He meets the teenage daughter. They yeah, the have daughter, kind of a weird connection to the point where I was like, is he going to make out with this teenager? That they look the same age. Spoiler alert for the book series, they definitely get married. I fucking knew it. Yeah. I knew they were... They, okay, this movie does sexual tension with a high schooler and Kirk Cameron. <laughs> hey, hey, she's in college. She's in is college. Is she in college? Yeah, because she, she's going to take her exams. Okay, thank so God. She's in college thank student. God, because she looks... She they she looks the same age, but yeah, she's, she's coded to be way younger. Yeah, she's aged. Her age is clearly in her early to mid thirties, but she is coded as like eighteen, nineteen. Uh, <laughs> and they have a meet cute. Once she gets home, he from touches like her knee, having her car stolen yeah. and being in the middle of a big wreck, and then she like makes her way home. But there's also like martial laws happening. Yeah, like she just gotten crazy. Buck goes outside, and national guardsman like draws a gun on him. It's like Minneapolis last year. Yeah, yeah. no, it, this it, movie it, was prophecy. This movie understands some things about uh, the police state. I'll say that. But, uh, and also international banking. Continue. <laughs> but they have a meet cute. Yeah. Uh, she is more suspicious of the conversion narrative. Yes. Uh, Rayford is already like, they were right. They were always right. They tried to tell yeah. us and we didn't listen. Rayford, Rayford has just gone full on Jesus freak in the space of like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, also, the flowers in the home are already dying. It's been like 12 hours. But it's like, <laughs> it's showing you the decayed yeah, the flowers. The place is a mess. Yeah. It's just, like the place was so nice. And like Rayford and Buck have just, uh, what appears to be throwing a party. Yeah. Like there's just stuff everywhere. Well, there was. Bottles. There was a birthday a party happening. Right. But it was all the church people. So they all got raptured. But now it looks like they've been like they've been throwing it back there's also a great moment of filmmaking here legitimately where she, the daughter comes home mm -hmm. there's no one in the home that she can see but then she hears the voice of her mother and brother that's right and she runs upstairs only to find that it's her dad sadly watching the video of the birthday party he didn't attend so there's this moment of just like she comes in really excited to see her family and then sees the part of her family she didn't want to see it's good filmmaking. It's legitimately like pretty compelling yeah these guys are awesome <laughs> um so everything is chaos and I think Buck finally has to leave to figure out what's going on. Yeah, so they have the family has connections to an a, like independent pilot, and you find this pilot in one of the only scenes of humor in the movie, auctioning yes. off his services as people like wave credit cards and offer diamonds, and he's just shucking and jiving, just like who, who's he? He's got ten grand. He's got fifteen bearer bonds. Like it's it's awesome. That yeah. guy. I want to see the movie about that guy. That dude uh, is is living his best life in the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. No, that. Uh, it, he's. I would say he's even coded a little bit as a prepper too. And, and I. Yeah. He's, yeah. There's he, some vibes. He's awesome. He knows not to. He's like, nah, no, none of this bank money needs some hard currency right. here. Like he knows what's going on. So Kirk Cameron now bids everybody. Twenty five grand, forty eight hours, buys him off, and then they have a fun conversation where he's like. Oh man, check out all these crazy things they're saying about why this happened. And he's like Area Fifty One and mm. aliens and conspiracies. Uh, but then he like mentions God and he's yes. like, "Yeah, this Bible verse." And he like quotes it verbatim <laughs> because every everyone in this entire series this, went to Sunday school, but is not a Christian. Yeah, yeah, but everyone who's left not a believer. Right. So he flies him to, I think, New York Yeah, or I think Buck is making his way back to the newsroom. Yeah, to the real city. And the whole time he's trying to get in touch with Dirk, and he's in, in, in employing his other, like, vaguely flirtatious, but also potentially bisexual news helper, who, like, <laughs> it, it has a bunch of, like, Indian henna drawn on her, even though she is, like, clearly white. Uh, but that's just cool. It's the '90s. The rules were different. I don't know what's happening with that. But she was awesome. she was on her way to Coachella when the, when the rapture happened. She does look that way though. <laughs> so she, he makes it back to Chicago. He's trying to find Dirk. New he's York, hanging yes. out. Is it New York? It doesn't. He matter. was in Chicago. He's that's headed. Right. To, he gets now he's headed York. to New York, and he's he's just trying to figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. And he's investigating, and he's hanging out with these two women. Are they lesbians officially in the movie? It's unofficial, but they're are, so cool because of the implication. They talk about they're like follow the money, honey. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's good. He sets them to find some information about Nikolai and this yes. whole banking thing. He goes out to find Dirk, and he does. But spoiler alert. Dirk's dead, baby. This is another bit of nice filmmaking. He's like going through the house and things are thrown around and he finds Dirk and there's like a a a, uh, a lamp turned over and Dirk has been killed. Yeah, Dirk, Dirk's got a bullet right to the chest. And as Buck Kirk, Buck Kirk, is finding Buck. out 
that his his buddy and confidant is dead there's a man standing outside with a rifle that's right and this assassin man is waiting for is him. tom clancy style has got the sort of like green dots sort oh, of. oh yeah like, yeah he's uh, got you see a shot through his scope where it's got tons of unnecessary information for no reason that's you know, right high-tech rifle he's also got the earring he's an assassin with an earring it's in the gay it is too. In the gay you ear. can tell yeah. yeah you know he wants it uh i want to watch a movie with that pilot and this gay assassin oh come on that's that would, a cool movie that would be a great movie Wait, do they fall in love yes yes clearly yes duh Sorry, in my head I was writing that fucking movie. That's too cool. <laughs> I just see Zach like stare off in the middle distance and then lick his lips slowly. So he, uh, so what happens from here is Buck takes the information that uh, his buddy had secretly hidden in his watch. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, it's just a cool thing. It's, it's a movie ass movie it's shit. A, it's, yeah, it is. It's it's some nice it's some nice thriller shit. Yeah. Uh, because the the person that killed him, the assassin, killed him, missed it, and so he takes he's looking at it with the lesbians again. And he's like, he also gets shot at. The assassin shoots well, yeah, at yeah. Buck, but only takes out the computer. It was uncertain to me if he was supposed yeah. to be assassinating Buck and is just really bad at his job or I, what. I think it's implied that, like, he just wants to cover up the information. I think that's it, but it's not clear. Okay. And so, so he's shooting at Buck. Buck is like, holy shit, this is crazy. And he goes to, like, the his buddy that I think is in the FBI. Yeah. And, and, and like, all, F, all, all FBI agents from the 90s, early aughts, he's black. Of course. And he's like, "This is crazy. I've got this information. We, I have. We have to go to Carpathia." And There's like, a funny moment where he's like, "The official story is this is nuclear radiation. That's so just going to play into Carpathia's plan unofficially." Everyone's freaking out, man. Nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> They're also why would you tell this to a reporter? They're having this conversation in a diner. Like what? The offset on this is not great. <laughs> it's the most oddly lit place too. Like this movie's pretty good, but it was just like. It's the middle of the day, and it's extremely shadowy. Yeah, it's all very strange. Also, these two are deeply like in love with each other as yes. well. This is a movie of bromances, but their bromance, like the FBI agent, is deeply concerned about no. the health and safety of Buck Williams. He's like you need, I you need to stay with me. I won't lose you. Yeah, he I, says I, I won't you. lose you. I can't lose you. I've already lost too many people. This is a, this movie where I'm going to assume all the men are coded gay. Hell yeah, that's why it was so good. The brothers Lamont. All right, they walk outside. Uh, Buck Williams is accosted by a drunk grandma who had already just been kicked like, out. Angrily accosted. Yeah, and she's like, "Give me a dollar, you can spare it." She's legitimately very. No, she's she like literally says, him. "Like you can spare it." And he's like, "Okay, okay," and he's like digging in his pockets. The FBI agent looks back at him, smiles, because, "Oh, Buck, you innocent rube, you're so nice." Hops in the car, car explodes. Car motherfucking huge explosion. It's so good. It's good. No, it got me. I was like, "Oh shit!" It is a impressive fireball for a yes. movie that is shot with four million dollars. Like. They legitimately blow up the fucking car. It's oh, awesome. Yeah. They they blow up the FBI agent. <laughs> yeah, that guy's hella dead. He's so dead. Uh, it was it was awesome. And now and our Buck boys stumbles on the back, and then you see uh, assassin with an earring staring up yes. from a window, smiling that he's taken out another guy. Uh, <laughs> just like and again, this is a second attempt where he could easily have killed Buck and doesn't. I don't understand. Anyways, he kills the FBI agent. What happens next? Then we meet the pastor. And this is yes. Clarence Gilliard playing Bruce Barnes. Bruce Barnes. Bruce Barnes. The pastor of Rayford Steele's wife's church. We saw him at the beginning of the movie showing up to the birthday party, yes. giving Rayford a little shit, being like, hey, man, haven't seen you in a bit. And Rayford's all like, oh, you know, people be flying on Sundays. <laughs> that is the actual conversation that it, they have. It, it was. But now <laughs> Rayford, in his you know, desire to find God, has gone to the church that his wife attended, the place she was happiest, as he says. And I, I actually think it's canny, as, as much as any of this stuff is canny, yeah. but that the pastor's left behind. The pastor. is pretty smart, and he's mad at God. And it actually is one of the few times where it kind of makes sense to have a character be mad at God and yelling at them in a church. Yeah, it, it works genuinely better than most. He gets a full-on several-minute soliloquy yes. here of, like, him. He's, like, he's like Great Escape-style tossing a baseball yes. in the church. You hear the thump. Yep. It's good filmmaking. It Empty is. church, and you just hear the baseball. The thump. Mm -hmm. The thump. The thump. And he's curled up at the podium being like, man, I guess I'm a fucking fraud, huh? That's good. It's good. That's good. It's, there's, there's some actual fucking writing ass writing. If you had all the Christians disappear, you would, of course, leave behind the pastor. That's really good. I, I liked it. I, I, he, 
the melodrama kicks in strong okay. immediately. I'm not after saying this. it's perfect, but I'm the saying, first but 15 seconds of that that is good, and there's an intelligent idea yeah. behind it. Yeah, and he he does this whole speech about like I stood here, I knew your right. words, I knew what you yep. said, I taught it them, they all believed it. Why not me? That's right. Why couldn't I believe? And then he hurls the baseball at the cross. That which has got a real carnival game feel to that, it. That is cross, not that does not go the way they wanted the it. Cross to. Sort of gently tips, tips over yeah. on its side. It it is carnival game esque. It's it's such a good idea for a scene. Yeah, it's, be, it's better than the West Wing premise for its scene. Totally. But uh, I also want to say here briefly, Clarence Gilliard Jr. was important to my childhood. Really? I watched a fuckload of Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, shit. And he was the, the buddy of Walker oh. in that movie. He was the, he was like all movie period stuff from this time, black cop. That yep. was the buddy cop, uh-huh, uh-huh. the sidekick. Was he a bit sassy? He was a little bit sassy. And he played a guy that was like a former NFL player. Oh. And so he was fast. Uh, Which feels, now that can, I'm recounting can, it, questionable <laughs> in a racist way. You can tell it's fiction because in real life, every cop is a former high school football player, not a former NFL player. Yeah. Uh, but but anyway. he, was, he was good in Walker. He was a good sidekick. Uh, he's he's good in this, given the material that he's given. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, he's emoting that. a lot more yes. genuinely than most and people in this movie. And then Rayford Steele shows the fuck up. Yeah, so Rayford Steele walks in, catches him in the middle of this confession right at the tail end as he is now committing his life to Christ, recognizing his failings. Yes. And he's saying, God, use me. God, I just need you to use me. And then Rayford strolls up behind him, lays his hand, (laughs) white savior style, upon the pastor's shoulder, leans down and whispers into his ear. No, this is not hyperbole. You already have. This is... This is the, like, there's a lot of homoeroticism in everything. Yeah. Uh, Especially when we're the ones watching it. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, this is genuinely, like, the most homoerotic. No, like, I feel this like is... this was intentional. Like, this, like, the white guy is shot, like, like softly lit with the sun in his face. Like, well, he's Rayford Steele. Right. But he's just, like, it's full on, like, romantic style. No, it is, like, this was the moment. Uh, obviously, we read this into everything that we view <laughs> for, for, for any purpose. Can't... The author is dead, and we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this was the moment where it was like, okay, this is not just me. You guys are doing this on purpose. I swear to God. Like, this is sexy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then they fuck in the rectory. I mean, it's it's more romantic than when he, like, casually kisses the, like, the woman he's having an affair with. Hell yeah. This was better than Fleabag season two. This is better than Fleabag season two? <laughs> Okay, so now this is also Rayford's conversion. Yes. They are now both yes. fully saved. They're- and this is where we get to an interesting point where <laughs> evangelical pastors who have already departed leave behind videos to help people understand everything that's happening. Uh, you know, my dad was an evangelical pastor in the 90s, did not record a video being like, so you're probably wondering what's going on. That you know of, Zachary. My dad was not pre-mail, but I I hope, I swear to God, I hope he did so bad. I would make me so happy. It would make me so happy if uh, we could find those videos. Uh, But yeah, no, it's it's very funny because we're living in a world where every authentic believer and child is gone. So now we just have have the remnant. We have the leftovers, so to speak. Uh, And uh, I, I I really hope Tom Parada read this and was like i'll just do the literary version of this oh yeah fuck yeah it's a hundred percent what happened it's, by the way. it's a great fucking premise i mean it's it a fucking out. killer hook um because so by- they're now fully saved yeah. and now it's time for them to convince buck williams about what's really going on <laughs> so there's a very funny moment i don't even remember how they get buck to the church it doesn't matter but they have buck in the church with the daughter that they're eventually going to make out and they all sit down and watch this pastor's video And in this pastor's video, he just lays out that, hey, uh, there's going to be a one world government. There's going to be seven years of peace in the Middle East. And this symbol signals the rise of the Antichrist. Yep. Which, again, just as long as we're laying this down, is not a thing in Scripture. No. It's it's in the term Antichrist is in one one verse. And it pretty clearly is indicated just anyone who opposes Christ. Yeah, it's. So this whole vision. I just like, I feel like I want to like give every person brief, very briefly. Yeah. Every person that reads, that reads the Bible, thinking about the future, a, a, I want to just give them an English class. Just like English 101. Okay. I want you to first read Paradise Lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then I want you to read fucking Revelation the same way. (laughs) It's fucking poetry. It's 
very vague. It's very beautiful. And, you know, there's some general themes and ideas to be pulled out of here. But if you're motherfucking looking at this for, like, specific times and shit, you are reading this wrong. Yeah. You are wrong. It's not wrong. You are wrong. There is a whole lot to say about the ways in which Christians get paranoid about this stuff. And, yes. the, like, I, I don't even think in this pod we can fully get no, into that's, all that's, of the, that's like, the, paranoia. the briefest touch. Yeah. But it is utterly insane how in this world, not only does every Christian agree yes. that this is how the end times go down, when in fact dispensationalism is a right. deeply unpopular you know, uh, belief system, contentious even in evangelical culture, yeah, which is sure. the only place it has any you know backing at all. Yeah, no, my dad was an Southern Baptist pastor and was like, no, fuck all this. Yeah. Uh, but it really does manage to like capture the mind in some way. So they show this to Buck. And Buck is like, I don't know, man, this seems a little crazy. But he's also noticing yes. that in the information he got from Dirk Burton, now dead <laughs> Dirk Burton, there were codes. And it turns out the codes correlate to Bible verses. And, and he's really impressed that this was filmed years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he filmed this three years ago. And he's like, how? It predicts everything that's going to happen. So good. Uh, so. Buck so decides that he needs to get... Yes. To that Israeli scientist to Heim. stop him. Heim. 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 The most questionably named yeah, Israeli yeah. scientist if, of all time. He could be named Israeli Israeli son at this point. <laughs> yeah, Jewy McJewerson. No, if if you're listening to this <laughs> thinking, whoa, that's a little problematic, just know the movie is far worse. Yeah, we we are toning it way down. <laughs> yeah. Why does he have ringlets on his wrists? I don't yeah, understand. Why why every why does he end every scene doing Hava Nagila? That's the thing <laughs> I don't understand. Sir, please stop breaking glasses. We are running out of water cups it is it is always funny to watch a movie being made by someone who hasn't met a jewish person yeah <laughs> so now buck is on a mission he has yes. to get to the un because <laughs> nikolai no one has ever uttered those words <laughs> i'm on a mission i have to get to the un no that's not what, how it works and it really is drawing on a concern that was like yes. this post-cold war extremely present that was very mm. present at the time I and mean, we all know in 2021 what a joke the un is. yeah and like the european union how all of these things literally exist to validate horrible people and do nothing of importance yeah. the eu is just an economic structure and the un is just a tool of the first world yeah that's all that it is. But at the time, there was a lot of concern about, like, if we start yes. reducing the importance of national borders, that's mm -hmm. going to lead to one world government and is going to signal the end of times. And this, sure. this there's, there's book a, series in particular yeah. very much posits that the fall of America is, in fact, the fall of the world. This movie is very concerned about revaluing the Iraqi dinar. Yeah. <laughs> it is, though. If they made this movie again in 2021, there would 100% be a cryptocurrency <laughs> attached to it oh fuck yeah it, it, it would be called something like ethereal yeah, yeah not yeah. ethereum but ethereum oh fuck that's so good also are we, are because starting, these people are, are we very starting a cryptocurrency <laughs> ethereum uh i guarantee you we are not the first person to come up with an evangelical cryptocurrency but uh back on topic because these guys are also distinctly anti-technology their blockchain would be actual blocks that they would be like carving cuneiform into. Wait, and they'd be like, block, chain, chain. It's in the name. They want us in chains. <laughs> they want us in chains. <laughs> they want us in blockchains. <laughs> okay. So Buck is now on a mission. Yes. And he makes it to the to the UN. Sure. And he makes it into a room with this scientist. And he reveals all of this information that this was all a plot. Yes. He's discovered along the way that those two bankers mm -hmm. from the beginning of this movie, they have been lending money to the UN for years. Billions of dollars in debt. Which is, 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 listen, banks are evil, but that is very confusing. Yeah. In terms it, well, again, of real life it, stuff, but let's move forward. It, it misunderstands the nature of economic power. Like, yeah. yes, uh, a government or, you know, a, a collection, a coalition of governments can be billions, even trillions of dollars in debt. But you know what? They still have armies, so you're never going to collect on that if they don't want you to. Yeah. But in this banks vision of the world. Banks are evil, but in that they have united with governments. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Banks are governments. They don't have to take them over. Exactly. Uh, so this bank, these bankers have been lending the money. Now they're calling the bill due. The UN is going to go bankrupt, and that means that they are going to claim <laughs> control right. of this secret Eden Project technology, the 10 tracts of land that the UN owns, which yes. will become important later. And 
and they are going to now control the world's food supply through this because I guess everywhere else in the world is going to stop. They're going to stop making food now. Yeah, yeah. Because because of this technology, they're going to stop making all food. Yeah, and again, this is in a kind of like pre-climate change and consciousness world. You could actually pull this off a little bit if you were like, yes, our our ability to produce food is failing due to climate change, and we have a solution that only we control. Mm -hmm. Much more convincing. But you know, these people would never acknowledge that climate change exists. Anyways. Buck Williams busts through the door, reveals all this to the uh, uh, Israeli scientists, and he's like, okay, we have to go to Carpathia. And Buck's like, sure, because Buck doesn't know. Yeah, yes, and Carpathia butters him up and says, I've always been a fan of you, Buck. Yeah, he's I like, I love you. Yeah, you're going to marry you, Buck. Buck, look into my eyes. We have some. He does kind of do it, though. Buck, like, listen, I know you're mourning the loss of your FBI agent, Black Lover, but look at me. Look at me. I'm blonde. I'll kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> So Carpathia is like, on, give him the song and dance though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives, and and so there's a moment where Carpathia walks out of the room armed with this information and is like, okay, I'm gonna handle it. And then as he's departed the room, that's when Buck sees on Carpathia's desk just laid out the blueprints for a new Temple of Solomon. Dun, dun, dun. And this is when he's just starting to put the pieces yeah. together. And I think like, something about the wait. seven years. Because he's been warned that the temple yeah. will be rebuilt. And that's he's like, right. that's crazy. And this is a very funny thing that happens. Israel, always referred to as Israel in this. Yes. Every other country around it is referred to as either the Muslims or the Arabs. They literally yeah, never they... never name check. Palestine is not appearing in well, this picture. No. Egypt is not appearing in this picture. Did they mention Syria? Not Did appearing they not in this picture. Syria? I don't think they mentioned Syria. They, they, right. they show some trucks on the Syria border. Yes, but you're right. They do talk about the Muslims. But a every lot. other reference is the Muslims or the Arabs. And they I swear to God a couple times it's Arabs. Yeah, they do they do say Arabs, which is funny cuz like uh Iranians have had some uh beef with with Israel for a while. Definitely not Arabs. Definitely They not. would be very upset if you refer to them as Arabs. <laughs> uh, so it's a very funny understanding of yes. geopolitics, which is core to this whole series. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he sees the temple and he's like, wait, wait, you want this? And uh, Haim is like, yes, of course, this is going to be such a beautiful symbol of peace. Which again, we're getting to this very interesting yes. moment where this pro-Israel anti-Semitic film is positing that the hubris of Israel in wanting to return to its past in building of the temple is in fact the thing that gives the Antichrist its power even though they're supportive of it. I don't know. It gets very complicated. It's, I mean, it's the thing we've talked about before, but it still remains true. Like, the reason the evangelicals are anti-Semitic is because they don't view Jewish folks as people. They view them as just sort of like a like sort of like key you know, in the sort, in the literal sense of the like Indiana Jones sense, like this will trigger yeah. the end times. Like they're not people; they're they're totems. They are they are quite literally a blood sacrifice. Yeah. Because the idea is none of these people are saved. They're not going to heaven. Right. They are they are going to be the stack of bodies that gets us to the end game. And that's pretty gross. It's not great. Okay, so we're at what is functionally the final scene. Yes, <laughs> I love it. this scene. It's so good. It's legitimately awesome. It's. I love this scene so much because this is this is a series that is going to get very spiritual. It's going yes. to combine its mm-hmm. thriller elements with some weird spiritual stuff, but it hasn't really done any of that. Mm. Like Rapture aside, unexplained event aside, it hasn't had any moments where it crosses that line yes. until this beautiful one. So you have Carpathia. He's assembled 10 leaders from yes. around the world. He's going to gift each of them a tract of land to be sovereign, sovereign over so that they will be the 10 kings. That's important. That's right. Uh, he also has the two bankers that have been bankrolling him <laughs> this entire time. He also has Hattie, the flight attendant, who is now working for Carpathia as a high-ranking UN official. Because of Buck getting her the job. Because Buck got her the job. Buck is apparently the only person in the world that knows everyone. Buck's Buck's got swag, man. He's got BDE. He He's says, awesome. give give Hattie a job. Hattie gets the and job. And the Antichrist is like, yeah. And the awesome. Antichrist promotes her immediately. And this all happens. She doesn't even start the job until after the rapture. That's so post-rapture, the entire world is in chaos. Martial law has been declared. She's still got onboarded to the Antichrist regime after that in the span of like 48 hours. So Carpathia is doing his thing. Carpathia is now giving a speech to these 10 leaders. Oh, and Buck's in the room too. He is here to bear witness. And Carpathia lays to out a great his plan. Point. Nuclear disarmament. Right. World peace. A thing that he says people, man has been struggling for since Cain and Abel. And he's going to bring it about. And he's been playing it pretty cool up to this point. Mm-hmm. Very po- yes. politician. This is the first moment you see him. He sort of does the Jesus pose. Yes. Lays his hands out. All thanks to me, he says. It's like, but there was another part. 
in the Garden of Eden, there was a tempter, a snake. And there are snakes in this room right now. And then he points at the bakers and he said, you are my snakes. So this is where I'm really struggling to code Carpathia as a villain. Yes. <laughs> because he's like, yeah, we're going to get rid of nukes. We're going to help we're gonna bring world peace and the bankers are the bad guys and i'm like this guy he is literally this going, guy's batting a thousand yeah his, his game plan is to solve world hunger uh <laughs> bring peace to the middle east and have complete nuclear disarmament across the entire world and, and i just wow I, what a villain fucking hate this hot guy <laughs> yeah i hate it when tall charismatic men make my life better <laughs> uh okay so he, he's pointing now mm -hmm. at uh, these bankers, and they're, you know, huh, huh, what do you mean? Huh? Yeah, uh, this is what Their monocles upon. fall out as yeah, yeah, they yeah, are yeah. like talking. Someone does a spit take. We with made Earl you Grey. who you are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do appreciate that the bankers are coded as Anglos. Like, yeah. as, as like huffy ang Anglos. I was like, that's kind of great. I appreciate that in a world where it clearly could have gone another yeah. direction. Yeah, no, where they, they already have some other problems. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that wasn't one of them. Yeah. Uh, so the bankers are now uh, furious at these accusations, and Carpathia turns to one of the security guards, who he already <laughs> knows by name. And he's like, hey, how you doing? How's your kids? Can you hand me your weapon? And the guy's like, sure, no problem. <laughs> the guy's smiling. Like, yeah, yeah you better. Really, he's, he's so filled with love that Carpathia is stared in this way. And this first sense you get that maybe Carpathia is doing something a little bit more than just being a tall, handsome Eastern European man. And he points the gun at the bankers, and he's like, get on your knees and repent. <laughs> and one of the guys is like, I will not. And he shoots the other one. And he's like, get on your knees and repent. <laughs> and then he gets on his knees. There's some more, like, faffing around. Mm, Buck yeah. is like, "This, what are we doing? We have to stop. And everyone's like, huh, what? And then Carpathia shoots the other guy. It's the coolest fucking shit. Yeah. Oh, and he asks Hattie to move because he doesn't yeah. want to get blood on her blouse, which is pretty baller. The guy's awesome. Baller. Maybe you should have an affair with Nicholas. <laughs> Maybe she will. She's pretty into him yeah. at the end of this. Nice. Uh, so then, Carpathia starts telling a story. A story about how one of these bankers realized that their whole scheme was about to be revealed. And in his horror at it being revealed, ran in, shot his associate, and then himself. Mm -hmm. And he implants the story in the minds of all these world leaders. And Heim. And Heim. And they all start to believe it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it was horrible. It was horrible. And then Nikolai is now in full villain mode. He's doing like creepy yeah. smiles at yeah. all of them. And he's talking about how like, we are going to change the world together. But here's the problem. Buck isn't falling for it. Because you know why? Buck's Christian now. Because Buck got saved. Buck is indwelt with the Holy Spirit, motherfucker. Buck had a moment in the bathroom right before this <laughs> where he's like lying on a bathroom floor yeah. being like, God, I don't really understand what's going on. All this shit seems a little crazy. I haven't I haven't been able to come since this happened. Erectile dysfunction <laughs> is real. But all I know is that I have to trust you, God. I have to trust you. So Buck gets saved, and the power of God protects him from the machinations right. of the Antichrist. But notice that, like, just as the further proof of this, that, like, Haim isn't saved, even though Haim is still important and chosen. Yes. Which is, like, an extremely grim anti-Semitic trope. Yep. Uh, but, we're, you know, we already made the point on that. I just want to point it out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's worth lampshading the anti-Semitism like, in this ooh. series. It'll keep coming up. Yeah. Uh, and now that Nikolai has, has killed his mentors yes. and assumed uh, the role as leader of the UN yep. and, and figurehead of this whole movement, uh, they all walk out. And Buck is like... Who has done nothing to prevent the murder of two men in front of him, by the way. Like, all, literally all he did was like, whoa, guys. And he this runs seems up. crazy. He runs up to Haim and he's like, Haim, what did you see in there? And Haim tells the story that Nikolai told and planted it right. in his brain as his own. And so does, uh, so does Hattie. Yeah. And then, and then he sees Hattie, who he's already had a connection with. Right. And Hattie is like, thank you so much. This is such an important place for me to be. I need to be at Nikolai's right hand. That's right. And Buck has this moment of realizing he has sent this woman into the hands of the Antichrist. So you know how he responds to that? He leaves. He bounces. He fucking, he fucking immediately he bounces. Like Instead of like trying to like film something or write something to GNN, like he just fucking bounces. He's just, he's just like, cool. Peace out. 
Uh, he's brought in to give but this news he's story. He's apparently very close friends with Haim. He obviously is close friends with Hattie. He immediately leads them to being brainwashed by the devil. Oh, yeah. He's just like, whatever the fuck ever. He says, Haim is my friend. Right. At no, the they are close. Yeah, they're like buds. Yeah. And he abandons both of them, hops on a plane, doesn't turn in a story. He yep. was a reporter who had seen right. now the he's leader a of major the world reporter. assassinate two people in front of him, says nothing to the news station, and then he's like, where does he go, Zachary? He goes to church. He goes to church. And you see a moment where he knocks on the church door. Uh, teenage daughter opens the door. Mm -hmm. Chloe. And Chloe's like, I'm so glad you're here. They embrace. Okay, this is a serious hug. Oh, yeah. I was like, whoa. This is this is like, it's like a long embrace. It's not distinctly romantic, but, it, you know, we can tell. We can all tell where this is going. Uh, <laughs> hey, fellas, have you ever hugged a woman? You guys are married now. And then they <laughs> walk into a church. You get a little bit of voiceover about like, I don't know what's going to happen next, but everything the Bible has predicted is happening. This this is just the beginning, and our only hope is to join together and trust God. And he says, for now, faith will have to be enough. And the door closes, and it pans up this cathedral-style church, yes. which is especially funny given that all these people are clearly Protestant. Of course. And the choir swells, and it ends on this like hyper-swelling yes. orchestral choir. Cut to black. It's fucking good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> Zach, Zach's takeaway was like, I can't wait to watch the next one, man. I, I thought about, like, not seriously, because I had other, I unfortunately have work to do, but I was like, I could rip into the second one right Hell now. Yeah. I could just Hell fucking yeah. go. This episode could have been all three of them. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's the next, it might be the next couple episodes we'll of this podcast. We'll I'm pretty engaged. I'm, I'll open, say that. I, I'm pulled in. I, I gotta say, there's something I wanna hit on here yeah. as we wrap up. Totally. This. And I think this will come up more. My th one of my theses, while well, having watched this, aside from the fact that, like, goddamn, I do love a good TV movie, is this is why Q. One of the reasons why Q is so popular. Like, of fucking course, yes. Christians and evangelicals were primed for Q. Like, Nicholas Carpathia is just kind of what they want Trump to do, but for their team, right? Like, he is black hat, but he is kind of like. Though coded as like white hat pedophile guy who's gonna kill all the bankers and take over the system from the inside. Like he does what Q said Trump would do is what Nicholas Carpathia does. And I think after 150 years of all this chart nonsense, all this paranoia, all this like trying to be like, well, the Jews are X, like all this insanity, of course American Protestants would be ready for QAnon. That's all this is. No, it's it's proto-Q to the point where at one point around this, there was a study of like the 10 popu most yes. popular conspiracy theories that are starting to infiltrate American po mm -hmm. politics. And this was in the early 2000s before the rise of Q and Trump and all of that. Right. Uh, they, they found that around six of them were already present in this. I mean, you have the One World Order. Yep. You have global currency. There's yep. some talk about Mark of the Beast, yep. which we now see happening with like vaccines. Like, oh, yeah. There is a ton of stuff stuff that late that, like this is proto q yeah 100 percent. in the same way this movie like, is eerily ways, so yeah, oh yeah yeah directly <laughs> like directly. i'm like oh this is just stage one why didn't i see this before yeah in the same way that this film production became sort of the proto evangelical yes. cottage industry yes. film production the beliefs present in this wildly popular book series that sold 65 million people and and several yeah. careers like they're all here they're all here. Oh. The church being persecuted, like the the church needing to care deeply about national geopolitical politics. Uh, all of it is just so present. The like fascination with Israel, yeah. like it's They're, like, all there. Clipping bankers, like there's definitely Christians who like. I mean, it's built into Q. Deep right? state. This is a deep, this is a about story state? about like rebelling the church rebelling against the deep state. I mean, this, these are people who believe that Trump and the the was executing celebrities and people like Hillary Clinton and replacing them with holograms, yeah. right? Like this and is clones. this is the same shit. Yeah. No, and, I am surprised there is not a pizza parlor with yeah. some questionable a questionable amount of toddlers eating sausage. Pizza. I'm almost not kidding when I say we should write a, a Q movie that's uh, got that's got Christian faith and we should pitch it to Kirk Cameron. I bet he'd do it. If I get to spend time with Kirk, I will debase a lot of my values if it means that I get to. Michael, right that up. is your value. <laughs> my, You're not my, debasing nothing. It, we are followers of Kirk. We've said it before. Here we are again. Uh, Do you have any? That, that's sort of. No, yeah, I, I think that is the on. right space to end it. Is like as fun and ridiculous as the movie was, as much as I enjoyed the explosion, <sighs> so as excited good. as yeah. I am to dig further into. Cannot wait. None of the other of these series, by the way, got any theatrical releases. Like this only gets <laughs> more insular and crazy as time yes. goes on. Uh, but, like, 
I, you see so much of what is now in the pews. What is now mm-hmm. like every, yeah. every evangelical pastor is a guy with a Patriot blog. Like all of that, you can tie it back to this series uh, of dispensationalist thought being filtered through Gosh, modern geopolitics. Dispensationalism becoming QAnon. I wish I'd put that together, but it's just direct. It's right there. It's right there. And I just, I love so much that we get to experience it through a 90-minute Kirk Cameron vehicle on YouTube. I'm having a really good time. It's it's, it's a great time. It's a great yeah, time. Yeah, I encourage, I encourage our listeners to watch this. Season, season two of, uh, what's, what's like, so you have 24. Yes. So this would be like 24, 7, 365 eternity. Like, like this is like. Yeah, yeah, just the infinity symbol. Oh, no, 24, 7 for the seven years of peace. It all ties together. It all ties together, Follow baby. the crumbs research numerology yeah uh so zach and i will be busy making some charts yep oh yeah as if our apartment's not already filled with them okay yeah but that's that's just for you know the cia's work in the global <laughs> south <laughs> we're gonna be making some new charts zachary uh i don't have anything else to say no. except goddamn what a fascinating yeah, what document a, what a good time i can't wait to see what the fabulous brothers halan have for us next yeah and we may have to continue on after the movies end with the books oh man so not only are there books there is a series of teen novellas of which i didn't actually read left behind the books too much but i read the teen series and there's oh, 40 nice. of them i never read any of that used to stop. Oh, interesting yeah, yeah you and Kelsey. i read did, some I left behind i got very into the left behind teen series there were graphic novels and video games Man, so this is a money. whole media empire nice. we can dive into now i'm excited i'm also very excited. i look i look forward to it yep well, with that, I'm my name is Zachary Allard. You can yeah. find me at Zachary underscore Allard. I'm Michael Tabor. You can find me at Michael Tabor. Follow the pod at shitty underscore pod or shoot us an email, crappychristians at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in next week for the continuation of our End Times Book Club. Isn't every book club an End Times Book Club these days? <laughs> See you next week.